You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NolaJake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Wednesday, we're going to continue the crossover editions for Locked On Pels. We're going to be talking Spurs. It's going to be pretty much the whole show today because there's a lot going on with that team, both in the short term and the long term, which I think is pretty interesting. We know that they're a division rival. We know how good they've been historically, but this is a different Spurs team. Are they able to kind of figure it out with this? Are they a threat to make the play? to the Pelicans in the bubble? I don't really think so, but what about them long-term? Are they kind of on the downswing of this franchise and the dominant run they've been on? I've got host of Locked On Spurs, uh, Jeff Garcia with me alongside Casey Vieira of Locked On Spurs as well. So let's just dive into it in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. All right, joining me now on Locked On Pelicans, I got Locked On Spurs host Jeff Garcia. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff G Spurs Zone. I've also got Casey Vieira. You can follow him on Twitter at Casey underscore Vieira. Uh, thanks to both of you guys for coming on and talking some Spurs with me today. Thanks, Jake. Jake. Appreciate Thank it. Appreciate you. Yeah, of course. So we've got the bubble restarting and, you know, half the time I try and remember like what was going on with what team. So I'm sure our listeners are kind of in that same boat. Just kind of sum up the Spurs season uh, when we hit that suspension point in the NBA. Well, um, I think I think Casey will agree with me. I think erratic, inconsistent with a little bit of hope. And and I think that's what it was throughout the uh, season before the hiatus. The Spurs went on some ridiculous eight-game losing streak. I mean, that hadn't happened in years since Popovich has been here, and I don't think it ever did. They would lose two, win three, lose one, lose four. But right before the break, the stoppage, they were finally starting to look like they were going to click already. They throttled Dallas. They are picking up more W's and L's, which was a good thing, and their defense was slightly ratcheting up a bit. Not dramatically, but a bit. And it was getting there. DeMar DeRose and Rudy Gay have been very vocal about this uh, since the NBA's return, a couple of Zoom conferences. DeMar DeRose especially saying, my God, you know, it's, it's sad what happened, but could have been the worst timing because they were starting to get a rhythm. They were getting going. DeJounte Murray was starting to look like DeJounte Murray. Even a rookie, Keldon Johnson, was being given minutes in a Popovich-led team. It's, this was incredible. But then the COVID happened, and, well, here we are. Um, so I would say it, it was just inconsistent. I think that's the best way to sum it up there, Casey. Yeah, I, I think what comes to mind, uh, inconsistent, definitely, but also kind of an identity crisis almost for the first half of the season, maybe even a little bit more from the standpoint that, yeah, every time a Spurs, a Greg Popovich Spurs-led team is going to go out there, they're going to compete with the mindset that they're a playoff caliber team which they were, I guess, theoretically on the fringe as probably a peak seven or eight seat. So I guess kind of by definition, yeah, that's a playoff caliber team at its peak. But the only problem is that for a majority of this season, for all the highs, like Jeff said, there were a ton of lows. I mean, they had some good wins along the way. They had uh, notable wins on the road. I think it was uh, – they, they went back-to-back 
I believe, where they beat Boston and Toronto in their gym, but then they come back and they lose to the likes of Atlanta at home and Cleveland at home and a whole bunch of those just gut punch losses to take a step forward and then two steps back. But I kind of agree with Jeff from the standpoint that, you know, you mentioned, I mentioned the idea of, of an identity crisis of that they, they couldn't figure out just kind of how good they are, what they were aiming for, kind of caught in that gray area. And they really started to kind of slowly dig their way out of things. And the people clamoring for a youth movement, they were getting it. And those young guys were playing and playing pretty well, like Jeff said, like the, the, the Keldon Johnsons of, of the world, which was a pleasant surprise. Everyone and, and their mom wanted uh, Lonnie Walker to see the floor and, and Lonnie Walker was getting the floor. And, and Lonnie, yeah, it wasn't perfect, far from a perfect product, but he, he had his moments and he was getting more minutes and things were starting to come together a little bit. Were, were they good enough to make that last eight spot? Probably not, probably not. But still, it seems like things were starting together to come together a little bit to at least make a push towards that uh, last positioning, uh, what would have been, I guess, potentially come April. Now, here we are come August. No, it's, it's, it's almost annoying, you know, being a division rival that you have this team that's been dominant for so long, you know, in some capacity and even in kind of like a bad season for them, they're not like abjectly bad, you know, you're not Warriors level, Cavs level for everything. What do you think kind of the reason for the somewhat down year, I guess you could call it is for the Spurs this season? Well, Jeff, I, I, I uh, sorry, I was just going to, yeah, just because it, the thought was on my mind. I think you'll agree with it. I think, and you and I, Jeff, we talked about it. It's the idea of that kind of is their downfall, you know, is because they aren't bad enough to bottom out, but they're kind of caught in that gray area. And that's kind of what's, what's kind of been the whole issue with it, right? Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, and I'll also add to that one name, Kawhi Leonard. I, I think you're seeing the ripple effect of him leaving San Antonio and forcing his way out. Uh, he just, that saga just blew a hole in the Spurs uh, future. I mean, just big gaping hole. Now they're scrambling for like Casey's identity. They don't have a megastar on this team. They had one for years throughout pretty much Popovich's tenure until now. And that's not a knock on LMA. It's not a knock on DeMar DeRozan, but they're not Kawhi Leonard. They're not Ginobili, Parker and Timmy and Robinson. They're not them. They're not Anthony Davis or et cetera, et cetera. So they're, they're searching right now. And I, you're seeing that effect of Kawhi Leonard still. Uh, and look, it, it, it's a situation where all teams go through. I mean, look what the Cavs had to go through when James left for the first time. I mean, they're done. You know, they're just obliterated until they got back to prominence. And, you know, then James left again, and then there they are. <laughs> I think you're seeing here in San Antonio, you lose Kawhi Leonard, you're seeing the you're seeing this um, product on the court for San Antonio. It's gonna it's gonna take time for them to get back into even just title contention. It'll be years from now because they're gonna have to go back to the draft. They drafted Tim Duncan, they built around him. They drafted Derek Robinson, they built around him. They got lucky uh, with Tony Parker and Manu, but then they were smart enough to trade with Indiana to get Kawhi Leonard, and they were starting to going to build around him. And now you're seeing that right now with this roster, you know, a bunch of pieces that don't make sense. I think Casey, we look at this roster, like so guard heavy and why are you trying to mm -hmm. now Marco Bellinelli and Bryn Forbes when this team needs defense right now? Oh, and by the way, you're going against a high powered offensive uh, opposition. It just doesn't make sense. And I think Popovich is just doing the best of what he can right now. And let's not forget too, Jake, 
they lost a lot of key role players, Danny Green in the mm-hmm. trade um, to uh, Toronto, uh, Tony Parker to retirement. Um, you, then you had DeJounte Murray miss out an entire season because of an injury. So uh, it's just, it's such a bad moment in the Spurs franchise chapter right now, but I would take 22 years of excellence versus maybe one or five years of a rebuild. I think I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's like good perspective to put it in, Um, particularly when you think of like how long, you know, they're on that playoff streak looking to make it 23 years straight right now. And that seems to be in jeopardy. So we'll be right back to continue our conversation about the Spurs in the bubble and the long term outlook and what they should do in the bubble and the approach they should take in the bubble here, which I think is pretty interesting, too. And will they go what's maybe the best route for them, but has short term implications before we do all of that, though? Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. I'm here Monday through Friday for you all, breaking down everything you want to know about the NBA's restart, about the Pelicans' bubble life, all of that. It's going to be a fun ride as we gear up for the NBA's return. So subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. When you look at the Spurs going into the bubble, there's no LaMarcus Aldridge. He's, he had surgery that's going to end his season. And it seems like he's got eyes towards 2020. 2020-2021, whenever we play basketball next season after all of this, is that the approach that the Spurs are going to take in the bubble? Are they going to kind of go with a youth movement, play some of those younger guys, or are they still going for 23 years straight, and how do they kind of manage the short and long term of it, and what do you think they should do in the bubble, and what's the approach they should take? Well, I know for me, Jake and and Jeff, it's it's I'm of the belief that they should have they should have gone young right from the start. Right from the start, I thought I think they should have gone young, um, mainly because they're kind of caught in that gray area where they're not bad enough to bottom out. They're not good enough to be a legitimate postseason team. And I thought that, you know, I've kind of been of that belief that they should have forced. I don't want to say forced. That has a negative connotation to it, but really gone uh, full in on the youth stuff and see where it takes up, takes it and, and just kind of go trial by fire just like that. And now they're probably going to have to do that. They're probably going to have to do that, or at least more of it, considering their big guy, no pun intended, their big guy, so to speak, their focal point on is not going to be playing in, in, in Marcus Aldridge. So I think by default, they're just going to have to go with that. And, and that's kind of been the concern the entire season, or uh, what just has a lot of Spurs fans scratching their heads a little bit, is that you're not really reaping a ton of benefits for the future of seeing Marco Bellinelli get minutes over Lonnie Walker, of seeing Bryn Forbes, a guy who in all likelihood won't be back in San Antonio next year, get major minutes down the stretch when he's struggling defensively, stuff like that. Will that change come bubble time in a couple of weeks? Maybe, perhaps. You know, all sense of kind of the uh, equilibrium with all this has been thrown out the window a little bit. But logic would tell you, if you're going to have the logic, that if things are going to stay stamp pat with the, with the way the Spurs have been, they're probably going to, you know, go with the guys who have kind of gotten there to this point. And to be cliche, the, the next man up, or those next man up, the next man up coming up is, you know, going to be one of the younger guys in all likelihood. Right. So now they're just kind of put in the spot. Well, hey, we have the young guys. We have the, the opportunities. I don't know how particularly effective we're going to be or we're going to be there, but it's kind of the hand that they're dealt right now. So I do think you will see a lot of the, the guys who have not gotten a ton of time uh, take advantage of that over these next couple of weeks. And here's the thing, Jake. Even if they do throw out the young guys, 
um, it's it's win win in this situation. It's win. Okay, they get to evaluate the talent they have. Okay, Lonnie and Dejounte, Derek and Keldon and Weatherspoon and Samanich, you guys didn't get much burn. Here you go. So there's a win. Okay, they did development, but it's also a win too to see what they got. And maybe one of these guys aren't the next cornerstone uh, for the franchise. Do they even say, okay, look, you saw a dramatic increase in your play and you developed great. Um, you know, DeJounte Murray is hypothetical here. Maybe they might package you to get an all-star, a megastar, you know, some sort of deal. You know, so I, I, I think the Spurs could, should use these next eight games for a proving ground for the young guys. But again, it goes back to, I think, what I mentioned to you on Lockdown Spurs, Jake, when you came on. I just it's just Popovich. I just don't know if he's going to be willing to say, "Okay, you guys, you all go play out there and good luck." He's just too competitive, and I definitely see him maybe leaning more in the veterans to start the eight games. But if it's pretty much mathematically times one hundred, they're not going to make it. Then he'll he'll take out the young guys. I mean, sorry, take out the old guys and put in the young guys. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Compete while you are you have a chance at doing this. And then once it's kind of done, which honestly might be just one or two losses out of these exactly. eight games, yeah. that you kind of have the opportunity to kind of shift gears in the middle of this and switch strategies and go with a lot of these young guys. Because you're right, it's kind of a bit of a weird roster, I think. And you kind of need to find out what some of these guys are made of. Either are they pieces you want to keep around long term or are they things maybe you want to move as you figure out what type of rebuild that you're going through. And I think that's all. Uh, a really good point and, with it, and 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 here's the thing too, of their their draft situation, they have a chance to yeah, get that's younger. Huge. Yeah, they have a chance to get younger, which I think is bodes well for them. And they they could have their highest pick ever in the Popovich era, at least, uh, this coming off season, whenever that is. So here's the thing: Spurs go out there, get a good showing, and maybe they do make it. They get into the AC. Well. There, there goes their play, their draft position. You know, they they'll fall further out of it if they don't make it, and well, they stay around that eleven thirteen range, which would be good for them to continue their rebuild process. Uh, that kind of goes back to what you're saying, Casey, about you know they make the postseason great, but then they slowly start doing that whole we're stuck in mediocrity. Yeah. And honestly, I, I think the way to go about it is if you get there, you get there. You don't, you don't. But you have to try to do it with the young guys at this point. You have to try to do it with the young guys because largely, yeah, the obvious, of course, is that those guys are, you know, are, are going to be there. But when you really kind of look at it, those are probably your best options at this point. It's not a matter of going to the youth movement. It's a matter of going young, and, and when you look at what's kind of there constructed, going those young guys is probably the best and most logistical way to go if you are trying to win basketball games. Whether or not it plays out that way, of course, is a different story and remains to be seen. Yeah, no, look, the, one of the worst places you can be stuck in in the NBA is kind of that like middle middle ground where you're not bottoming out and getting a top traffic. That's why we have conversations around tanking, right? Because that is a legitimate strategy um, versus kind of fighting for eighth or, you know, and not getting in and finishing ninth in your conference. And what draft pick does that give you? And then you don't, you know, if you do get in eighth and you don't get the lottery odds, it's not great either. So they're kind of in 
a, a weird spot. One thing I want to ask you guys about, because this just came up, the Pelicans are having media availability and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, the rookie who's taken 17th overall out of Virginia Tech, said what he's been doing while he's been in the bubble and during uh, this extended break is he's been watching a lot of film of Manu Ginobili and wants to try and emulate his game. I don't hate that one of the guys on the Pelicans, you know, kind of guard off the bench right now, who's very young, kind of wants to fill that role. That seems like a good, good guy to have on your team, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, <laughs> there's, there's, <laughs> it could be as simple as that, right? I, I, I was going to say, watching tape on a guy like that, uh, a guy like Ginobili is a pretty good guy to watch tape of. Uh, no, so, so definitely, I definitely agree with that sentiment. And he's, uh, Nikhil, he's, he's pretty on top of things. I remember last year, and Jeff might have come across him too with the draft as well. Um, last season's draft at the, the, the pre the, the media day, he was very, what I've discovered, he's very well knowledgeable of the game. He's not one of these guys who just kind of goes up there is naturally talented and, and does, didn't necessarily watch basketball past like the previous 10 years or, or whatever it may be. You know what I'm getting at? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, seemed, he seemed like a, a, a guy, a kid who was very well knowledgeable of of the game and its history and and more specifically i remember i asked them specifically about what it would be like if you were to theoretically be drafted by the spurs and you know he he was funny because he went into like a, a deep analysis bringing up like boris diaw and things like that I'm like man you okay i respect that like he's on top of it so no I, i'm not surprised you know you mentioned it, i'm not surprised to hear that at all yeah i'm not surprised to hear um these young kids talking about the Spurs big three era. It's not just Manu Ginobili. Um, I think Devontae Graham also said uh, this past season, well, before the stoppage that he studies Tony Parker's uh, footage as well. And they, of course, you know, Parker was, you know, with the Hornets for a bit, but still uh, these young guys do dip into that video vault of uh, Timmy and Tony and Manu and James Harden, you know, very vocal about it. And Hey, you know, Eurostep. Yeah. Manu, you know, same thing with, I believe D Wade. So, yeah, I mean, it goes without saying, you know, and I always felt like these young bigs at least should look at video of Tim Duncan. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. hey, he's still around the NBA. He, he goes to every NBA city, at least up until the stoppage. You know, they had a chance to pick his brain. So, yeah, I mean, it just goes to show you just the lasting effect that the big three had on the league and for future generations. But you, you, I think it's time, to, at least for Spurs fans, because some of them are still clinging to that. They need to let it go already, and it's time to get the new chapter going. And this is where I think the eight games could bode well in that direction. And, yeah, I think there's going to be seasons like the Spurs just suffered through this year and uh, will probably have it for the next couple of years. Spurs are going to be kind of on that fringe team. Maybe they make it, maybe they don't. Uh, but it's going to be a while, Jake, uh, before we see the Spurs back to the Spurs. And here's the thing, too. Say all you want about Tim, Tony, Amano retired and that era ending. Popovich is ending, era is ending very soon. I think sooner than later. Um, I think that's going to be the pretty much the nail in the coffin of the big three Spurs golden age era. It's when he walks away because then that's a big transition. Who fills into those shoes? Is it Becky? Is it Timmy? Is it Will Hardy? Is it somebody else? Uh, is it from the college rank or EuroLeague? We don't know. And I think that's the biggest question now moving forward as far as um, the future of the franchise is concerned. Say what you will about the roster and DeMar DeRozan, you know, whether he's going to stay or not and opt in, blah, blah, blah. But my God, losing Popovich, that's going to be a huge blow to the franchise. 
So again, we will continue our conversation with the Spurs crew here, Jeff Garcia and Casey Vieira, covering them for the Locked On Spurs podcast. But again, don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts from. The only podcast coming to you Monday through Friday, breaking down everything you want to know about the NBA's return. Zion Williamson and the rest of the crew here uh, in New Orleans, but now in Orlando. So Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts from. That'll be the true test, I think, of yeah. the kind of their culture, their organization, and how much of the, you know, that can you kind of keep going forward? How much continuity is there after that? Because he really seems like, you know, the man, everyone knows this. And, you know, they've built something very special there that you don't see in a lot of other franchises in any sport across the world. And so if you can keep any part of that, I think kind of speaks to everything that he built there. It's one of those things where if you're a manager of any sort of organization company and you take vacation and things kind of just keep rolling on without you, you've built something really good. And this is really going to kind of, you know, be able to see, is it maybe him or is it the Spurs organization? I think they could easily keep some of it, but you're right. That's going to kind of be where things really change for him and that's the big turning point look again as a, as a pelicans guy here i'm okay with this i'm gonna miss Popovich <laughs> in the league but i'm not gonna miss him beating new orleans uh and everything that's come come with all of that uh so before we wrap up here though i want to get your guys' thoughts on the pels what did you think from this season what do you think about their chances in the bubble here to make it into the playoffs casey i i think you're, you're talking about the the pelicans yeah, Pels, what do you think about them so far this season and their chances of getting into the postseason after these eight games? Well, they've been a heck, heck of a lot more exciting than the Spurs, I can tell you that much. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, I, that's not really going too far out on a limb. But, hey, you know, Jake, you probably know better than anyone was that it, it really seemed like things were getting together, really starting to come together at the right time once Zion came back in January, both from an actual physical on-court standpoint to just kind of a morale around the team, the organization, uh, the city. And, and you know, being have, having lived in Louisiana a, a couple years, not New Orleans, but Louisiana and Shreveport a couple years and seeing how the Saints win when when a city gets behind the team, they they fight for that team till the end. And, and of course, I, I don't think it was necessarily of that level yet, of course, uh, as as the Saints. But that there it seemed like there was a lot of buzz around that franchise, and this kind of of course, just like everywhere else, put a damper into it. I think probably in terms of their their chances going into the bubble. I mean, they're just as good as anyone else right now, better than everyone else so to speak, in terms of having that nine spot, considering they're, they're right there, they're right there. Whether they can capitalize on it, of course, is a, is a different story, uh, as we know. But I know they do have that favorable schedule. I know that they're talent-wise a heck of a lot better than the Spurs to handle it right now if you're going to compare the two directly. And from the outside looking in, you know, they're fun to watch. For me, I, as someone who doesn't watch them every single day, admittedly, but knows them even beyond Zion, Brandon Ingram's been great. Lonzo, despite all the criticism he gets, he's entertaining to watch. They're fun. They're a fun team. And for me, from a fan standpoint, I wouldn't mind seeing them get into that that uh, that eighth spot for me because more chances to see them play, at least from a viewer standpoint, even though it would probably be against the Lakers and it wouldn't be very long, but more chances to see the team play. I'm not going to uh, be against it. Yeah. Same thing here, Jacob. I look at the Pelicans and I say, you know, it's a good young team. It would not surprise me to see them sneak into that eight seed and bounce out Memphis. 
I think that first opening round uh, against the Lakers more than likely will be blockbuster in Zion, of course. <laughs> and then you got B.I. and Hart going back to L.A. Yeah, I think that whole the storylines are there would be great. Yeah, there's a lot of storylines. There's a there. lot of storylines, yeah. And I think that'll be fun to watch. I do think they're still a couple years away from being like a true, true legit uh, threat in the West, uh, let alone the NBA. I, I just don't know what they're missing. The, you, know, you got B.I., you got Ball, point guard, you got Zion, you know, your your small forward. There's small, is he, plus, that's a small forward or a forward? Uh, for I, B.I.? I, he, no, no, for Zion. Zion. Oh, Zion. So, you know, he, he plays power forward and he, he plays, plays a yeah, little okay. bit of small ball center too, I, but yeah, main, okay. not he's not ready for that just yet. Yeah, and, you, you know, I, you look at some of the other guys on the squad, Hard and Redick, you know, so I think that the, the Pelican teams are still a couple years away from being, like I said, a legit threat in that West. But no, no, great foundation, great core, good coach. I think all in all, you know, the, the Pelicans are going to be set uh, to rise in the NBA. But yeah, hopefully they'll, they, the Spurs do hand your Pelicans an L in Orlando. <laughs> so just putting it out there. <laughs> Look, they they did it in in the one game they played earlier this season in Zion's debut, where it was a big loss for the Pelicans. They thought they could win that. Popovich came out with the right game plan, took Zion away. So it's one of those things against a Popovich team. You just never take that win for granted, even if it's not the best kind of Spurs team that we've ever seen. So that's a game that I'm going to be watching, and I'm going to be nervous going into it. I think no Marcus Aldridge helps, but still, like you just never know. And we don't know what we're going to see in the bubble. It's going to be a little bit weird. So yeah. who knows how things are going to go, whether it's going to go the Pelicans yeah. way, the Spurs way, and, you know, who's going to get in. We'll find out. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, you, asked, I've been asked, you know, well, who do you see stepping up and that for LMA? You know, every points to uh, Jakob Pertl, which is good. And I get it. You know, he's kind of, you know, the next man up. But I'm looking at a guy like Trey Lyles. You know, quietly, you know, not pretty much having a good season in San Antonio, at least for his first go-around with the Spurs. Right before the break, that game versus Dallas, he had something like 14 and 12. And then games leading up to that Dallas game, double-doubles. He was hitting three-point shots, kind of on the regular, having a quietly good season. I think if he does get a spike in minutes, and I did ask him recently, had the coaching staff talked to you about your role heading into the bubble? Where Are you going to get more minutes? He told me they haven't spoke to him directly but he's kind of thinking like he will. I think Trey Lyles could be a, a kind of a nice surprise out in the bubble. What about you, Casey? Well, he's going to get the reps. Yeah. He's definitely going to get the – he probably, in all likelihood, is going to be starting in place of LaMarcus Aldridge when they do get back to work coming up in a couple of weeks. And it's – you're you're high. You've been on him. I, I got to give you credit. You've been high with him for a while. On him for a while. Um, me, not necessarily as as much. I think that's more speaks more to your positivity as opposed to me being negative with it. But <laughs> it is it is it is kind of a good chance for him though, because as much as we do talk about the younger guys, Trey Lyles is is a guy who the Spurs, of course, have interest in. They wouldn't have brought him in either way, and he does a lot of – Well, well that's yes. – they're, they're running out of options. Yeah. But, but he, all, he does do a lot of good things on the floor, and being in a, in a contract year, which he is, there is incentive for him to go out there and take advantage of the extended minutes that he's going to get in these next eight potentially more basketball games. So I wouldn't be surprised to see – Lyles potentially uh, capitalize on it because I think he will get the opportunity. 
guy like that who can rebound along with Murray, who's a really good rebounder at his position, and the Spurs are one of the better defensive rebounding teams in the league, that is a way to beat New Orleans. They thrive off of second-chance opportunities, particularly Zion getting his own misses and putting it back in. And if you don't give him all of that, it neutralizes what makes him as good as he's been so far. So I think that's something to kind of keep an eye out in that game that these two teams play, that that is a way to beat New Orleans. And if Spurs are pretty good at it. So even if on paper the matchup doesn't look necessarily even, this is why you got to play the games, I guess, for all of this stuff. Um, so I want to thank both of you guys for coming on and chatting with me, and I was happy to do it over at Locked On Spurs. Again, um, let, let everyone know where they can follow you on social media, Jeff. Yeah, no problem. Uh, you follow me on Twitter at Jeff G Spurs Zone and subscribe to Locked On Spurs wherever you get your favorite podcast. And, and Casey, follow me on Twitter. Yeah, there you go. yeah. Uh, KCCASEY underscore Vieira, V I E R A, KC underscore Vieira on Twitter. All right. Awesome. Thank you guys again. And looking forward to getting the NBA restarted. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Big thanks to my guests at Jeff G. Spurs Zone. Jeff Garcia, host of the Locked on Spurs podcast, alongside Casey Vieira at Casey, C-A-S-E-Y underscore Vieira, V-I-E-R-A, who's also over there at Locked on Spurs as well for giving us kind of the scoop on that team in the bubble but also kind of long-term the outlook on that team, which they're not too exactly high and thrilled about necessarily. And that makes me feel kind of good because it's been a long-time division rival that's been a bit of a thorn in the side of New Orleans. So very cool to see that maybe they're not going to be doing as well. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.